Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, and welcome back to part two of my conversation with Brianna Rooney, CEO of Talent Perch. Let's jump right back into that conversation about recruiting, the Barbie movie, and more. I wanted to get us back onto the Barbie movie. So we touched on all the different jobs that Barbie has, but Ken's job is just beach, which is tough for him. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's Kenuff and that he's he's okay. In the kind of realm of how nuanced Barbie's and Ken's interests are and how they're trying to find like a space in society that fits them in that regard. How can job seekers take their interests and skills and tailor them towards a career? Yeah. So meaning like, how do they find the career that fits them or how do they make their profile fit this career they decided on? Both. Honestly, those are both two sides that I'd love to learn more about. I think that like, especially when we're younger, I mean, it doesn't even matter actually how old you are, because I think we're thrown into like, what do we do now? You know, like it gets boring, it gets old, or we need to make more money. But it's really difficult to see like how many jobs are actually out there and how many could fit your personality and your current skill set without having to go to school or having to get a certification, you know, something like that. And so that's hard because you have to do your homework. And so what I would recommend is either going on a LinkedIn or on an Indeed or a Monster, you know, whoever posts jobs, right? And kind of just put in the top two to three things, whether or not it's the soft skills or the hard skills you want to put in and just play with it. Play with the location, play with how much money you want to have. And you really have to do kind of the hard work of just going through and looking and browsing. And it could take hours, really, honestly. But like when you think about it, it's like that's life changing stuff. So to take hours to do something like that, you know, probably not so bad. Yeah. And like we had talked earlier, like the plug and chug method of just applying to any job that you fit into, taking that extra time to make sure that you really do would hopefully be more effective than having a million first interviews that don't go anywhere. Totally. And you know, what's interesting on that too, is like applying for things that you don't even think you're qualified for, but you could look at a job description and pull out, okay, wait a minute, what soft skills are they talking about? How can I apply my soft skills to the job that it's doing? And how can I relate in everyday life? So I actually have this one great employee of mine who I saw on LinkedIn and it had Casa de Byers. Well, her last name was Byers. And I was like, this is really interesting. What does she mean? Well, she was a stay-at-home mom for like seven years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She took everything that she did as a stay-at-home mom and related it to the workforce. First of all, that's a very hard job. Yeah. I was going to say, talk about time management. Like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, how can I showcase those skills accurately, even if I haven't had that job? Because I think what's really sad is they look at this job description, they're like, I'm not qualified. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I think you have to change the mindset and say, oh, I've done this. I've done this. I've done that, you know, and really relate it. Another great tool that I don't know if you've played with enough is ChatGPT. Yeah, I'm familiar. I love the chat GPT, but like, if you want to go in and really like talk to it because it's like a, you know, a bot friend, but like say like, Hey, I'm really good at X, Y, Z, even having a full paragraph. What kind of jobs are there for me? Now, the only issue is that is it's not updated, but so what? It's like a couple years old, right? It still all really relates and they can kind of come up with a list for you, but you have to start somewhere. 
but like looking at like and sitting down, it feels like really overwhelming. So just like explore and read. And then I would also kind of probably Google like, what do I not need a degree for if you don't have a degree? Yeah, I've seen like a huge push in the recruiting space to take away degree requirements for jobs, because like you said, it comes down to the soft skills or the skills you've learned in other walks of life. Absolutely. I love that stuff. Yeah, I would recommend definitely doing that. And then on the other side of things, same thing, you could probably put in a job description into ChatGPT and say, hey, give me the four things that are needed the most on this. And then you can tailor your resume, your profile on, you know, really going strong there. Because as a recruiter, I know that the hiring managers are starting to ask for more of the soft skills. And so looking for soft skills on a resume and and LinkedIn is almost like near impossible. (laughs) I think we're starting to like get there and put those things on there, you know, but yeah, if you make it easy for the recruiter, like you're going to win. And then not to mention, there's so many more resumes of people applying than normal because I think we are spraying and praying. And so in order to go through like a thousand resumes, we're starting to use tools to do that now. Just like looking for those keywords or stuff like that. Yeah. So keywords are so important when applying because we're getting overworked in that aspect. And then as we know, there was tons of layoffs and a lot of the talent team and recruiters were, were let go. And so now who's doing those jobs are probably hiring managers, you know, at some organizations and <laughs> talk about people that don't want to look at resumes, right? <laughs> Yeah, just trying to take the repetitiveness out, use technology when you can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But changing topics a little bit, what tips can leaders take from Barbie's diversity and representation, especially in the recruiting space? Oh, yeah, I love this. Okay, so I don't know how you felt about this, how you feel about this in general, but what I took from it is like that women in general, we can act in more silos or even like by ourselves a lot. And as you saw with the Ken group, there was two Ken groups, right? And then they would fight. And then when they needed to, it was a no brainer. It was more of a like transactional relationship. Like, hey, actually, we need to come together on this, you know? And with women, it took a little bit longer. We had to go like woman by woman in order to come together. It was very like a boots on the ground kind of an effort. Yeah, totally. And so I think we can learn from that and be like, wow, as a unit, we're stronger. And when we finally have conversations, now we understand each other. Now we relate. And now we're like on one mission. And I think that that's what you can learn is that leaders have to have conversations. You have to know how someone feels. I definitely think the times of, you know, it's not personal, it's business. I think that saying is going to go away, hopefully soon, because we're seeing that the intersection of personal and professional, because how can we keep those two worlds completely separate? Like, I think you can be professional, but I don't think that it's separate. I mean, you spend how much time outside of work and how much time inside of work. So it's like, what are you supposed to have two people? Exactly. And it bleeds together, especially when for people who are working remotely, like you saw the cat on the back of my chair for half of this conversation. You're one person. Like you said, you can't split it into two different personas. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that we have to hold strong there. And so when when leaders are having those conversations of it could just be like two minutes in the beginning, you know, it's like it doesn't always have to just go straight down to business or it could be like, you know, hey, how are you doing today? Like, how was your weekend? And actually like care as opposed to, you know, like when you're walking down the street and people go, Hey, how are you? And no one actually stops. Saying, yeah. <laughs> I think that like that kind of leadership needs to stop because that does happen too. You know? And like, I remember um, being asked questions and it's like, okay, well anyways, let's get right to it. I'm like, 
oh, okay. So we didn't care. That was just more of a nicety and something that you just spit out. Yeah. Whereas like when you take the time to know your employees or your teammates, like you get to have more fun conversations. Like one of my coworkers really likes wine. So like if we start a morning, I'm like, oh, like, did you drink any cool wine this weekend? Or one of my other coworkers has like Friday pizza parties with his family. And I'm like, how was the family pizza party? Did you see the dog? Kind of a thing. Yeah. See, I love that. And again, it doesn't take that much time. I think like work is always scared of if you keep talking about work, we're going to do more, but we are burnt out. We're human beings. And especially with the remote work, like where's the water cooler? talk. Yeah. You know, we used to be able to get up and go get more water and just talk about things and for five minutes and like those breaks are like so needed. So I think that's also another subject of like, hey, like what do you do to chill out and or switch tasks? Because switching tasks takes a long time, you know? Yeah. How do you reorient yourself? How do you take a break? Like we had talked before the recording even started, but like I use my lunch break to go to the gym. I talked to some of my other coworkers. I'm like, oh, like what time do you like taking your dog for a walk in the middle of the workday? Like you said, how do you change topics and uh, tasks? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And so I definitely think that we learned that from the Barbie movie, actually. She really showed true leadership. Yeah. But what I also loved, she showed vulnerability. Literally crying on the floor. And like, no, we don't really want to see people crying on the floor at work. But guess what? It does happen. Yeah. I'm not really talking that, but she showed like, this really hurts and I feel really stuck. And I think that as an employee, you're like, oh my God, thank God. Like you're human because I think the higher up you go, it's like, they don't think you're human. They don't think you feel, they don't think you fail. You know, it's like, we fail all the time just because you're at a higher level. That means nothing. Yeah, no. And it's just like, you just need to readjust your mindset and be like, yes, I failed. What can I learn from it? How do I fail upwards instead of spiraling? hundred percent. Like when I started one of my companies, I asked, I'm like, Hey, what's everyone's relationship with failure? That is a terrifying question. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just like literally froze. I'm like, please raise your hand. If you fear failure, everyone should have raised their hand. Yeah. But even them raising their hand, they're like, like, Mm -hmm. and some were like, no problem. And some even feared raising their hand about it. And so I did a whole day like few hours on how we hug failure, basically how we have to, like you said, fail forward. Like that's the fastest way to learn anything is to fail, but we have to then talk about it. And what did we learn? What are we not going to do again? What do we like? You know, stuff like that, all conversations. Yeah. And I think just like speaking towards leadership and decision-making and stuff like that, having a movie directed by a woman that was so like integral to the story of womanhood So like Greta Gertwig's role in directing this movie and some of the directional choices she made, like the scene at the bus stop when Barbie's in tears and she looks at the older woman and she goes, you're beautiful. Originally, some of the other like supervisors or people paying the big bucks for the movie wanted to cut that, but she stood her ground on it. And it was such an emotionally pivotal scene in the movie. Do you have any advice for people who are like in a workforce environment where they know something needs to happen, but it is a difficult conversation, like that conversation about failure, like how to sit down with either your superiors or your coworkers and be like, this is something that needs to happen, even if it's a difficult conversation? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I love difficult conversations to really think about this is not a confrontation, this is a conversation. It's like always doing that. But especially if you have kids or if you have a niece or a nephew or, you know, anything like that. For me, what motivates me is what would I tell my kids to do? What would I tell my brother to do? What would I tell my mom to do? Like, I'm not going to tell them to be quiet. I'm going to tell them to say their truth, to say what needs to happen. And so I think that it's really easy to give people advice, but it's really hard to take it. And so having that moment of courage is having fear, but doing it anyways, you know, having the courage to do it, but to sit down and say like, what is 
the worst thing that could happen. You have this conversation, it still doesn't go your way. It sucks. That's the worst thing that can happen, right? Yeah. Maybe your ego hurts a little bit. That's okay. But I think also showing, sitting down and really saying like, I feel really passionate about this because of this. And then hear me out. Can you think about then what will happen after we do this? It's really like a visual playbook to show that. And and you can talk about it passionately or you could actually put it, you know, on a PowerPoint or whiteboard or whatever you guys are using, you know? And uh, I think it should be powerful, but I love that scene. Actually, just you talking about that scene gave me the chills. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I burst into tears when I watched that. Like I've talked to so many of my friends and I was like, yeah, I was not well (laughs) when that scene happened. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Oh God. I mean, like, what about the rant that happens, you know, towards the end of the movie where she just says, and I feel this every day. And my son, who's nine, turns to me and goes, is that how you feel? I go, yes. And he goes, I am so sorry. Oh, thank you. And I just like hugged him like, this is why I told you. Oh God, you're making me tear up. Most of my friends have only like just gotten married. Most of them don't have kids yet. So just the interactions I've seen of parents, like like you just told me, like talking about how their sons in particular or their young children reacted to the movie and being able to have that genuine conversation about how people, even adults, deal with frustration and change has been like, oh, it just, it chokes me up every time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, on, on a funny side, you know, when Ken's being Ken and Barbie's not happy, my six-year-old daughter goes, why doesn't she just leave him? <laughs> <laughs> But it's great. But it's like, again, if you don't have those conversations, like you're missing out. And I definitely think the workplace, like you could watch that movie as a workplace. And I think you should watch it with your significant other because they're all conversations of like, how do you feel? Like, are you angry watching this? Are you happy watching this? You know, like what conversations have we not had yet? Yeah. Even just like talking about like, hey, this is a universal experience for some people. Like the Ken guitar singing at people scene, like the number of men I saw online being like, I thought that was a joke online. I didn't realize that women were like, oh yeah, that's definitely happened at at least one party I've been to. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's too much. I love it. It cracks me up. <laughs> it's <the> social awareness. <laughs> yeah, just just social awareness and realizing like even if something isn't your lived experience, that doesn't change that it is someone else's. And to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes is going to make you a more compassionate leader, a more compassionate coworker, like you name it. Yep, 100%. Since this podcast airs on Fridays, I'm curious to know what you're looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, so actually it is my birthday week. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. I'll have a little celebration. But I got to tell you, I'm probably the most looking forward to my son's soccer game. Oh, he's in this moment where he so he gets paid $5 a goal from us. And he also $5 a goal from his godfather. And like, he's he's really like, he's quite the negotiator. Uh, But no, I'm looking forward to it because he's just in this moment of like, I, I have to really talk to him about his confidence level and pump him up. And we have really deep conversations on like, they're starting to stay in one position right now. And um, his dad's the coach. And so he then grabbed him as goalie and he was really freaking out. And he's like, got butterflies. And, and so having these like deeper yet sport fun conversations is a really cool thing for me. I think as just a human and as a parent and stuff. And also I played club soccer for a really long time. So, you know, it's like kind of like all of these things and like, you know, my parents didn't have real conversations with me when I was younger. You know, it was just like, suck it up and get out of there, you know? Yeah. It was just that time. Like, we didn't, we're just learning, you know, as a society and stuff. We're learning that we should have conversations. And so, anyways, it's just been really fun. 
I'm just looking forward to it because every week has gotten better. And then on a side note, I have Sunday to myself to go for a massage. So yeah. Oh, that's going to be so nice and relaxing. I got myself a massage for the first time for my birthday last year. And first time? First time, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Trust me, I had so many friends being like, just do it once. Like just even if you don't get a full body massage, like just get your neck done. Like you're going to feel so much better. And I was like, oh no, they were right. Oh my God. Just when I get my nails done, I'm like, hey, can I get a massage? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Oh, what am I doing? I'm volunteering on Saturday. I started volunteering at an animal shelter a couple months ago. And that's always fun because I get to end the afternoon with like petting kittens and they're like everywhere. And then two of my friends got engaged and moved into a house recently. Oh my gosh. So they have an engagement party slash housewarming party that afternoon on Saturday. And then Sunday is just totally open for me. Too fun. Kittens and a party. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty much living the dream. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. But I hope you have a fantastic massage. I hope you don't end up owing your son too many increments of $5, but also that he just has a blast. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was super fun. Thank you. Thank you again, Brianna, for speaking with me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.